Hello and welcome to Force Fights. You didn't say two or one. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have an uh, awesome show for you tonight. Um, I want to start off by uh, thanking our hosts. We are hosted on MTG Cast and on Channel Fireball, so thanks so much for hosting our awesome show. And we have some guests with us today, as we usually do. Uh, Greg, who do we got today? Um, we've, we've got, first of all, uh, Ross and Jarrett have joined us again. Uh, Hi, guys. Hello. And then also we've got um, Big Head Joe from UMTG Inter- Apps. Interrupting as always. Howdy. Uh, and, and we obviously enjoy it. Um, and then, of course, um, one of our, 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 our special guests that we're going to do an excellent interview today with uh, TSG, Mr. Uh, Tristan Scott Gregson. Close enough. Thanks, guys, for having me. Close I, enough. Correct me. It's it's Sean. I'm, Sean. I'm not. God, I didn't see the I didn't see the S in there, and I bailed. I was like, I think it's Scott. I think it's Scott. I'm gonna go with Scott. <laughs> I like. I, I, I like. I know. It's cool. It's cool. I like time shifted gangster. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I really want to make some kind of like the smoking gun kind of connection because when like before like my initials were kind of defining for me. Like, I used to go to FARC.com, like, every day in college. Like, that was my homepage. Oh, man, FARC was great. And uh, links from FARC, like, often was stuff from the smoking gun. And, like, every t- nowadays, like, I see my initials so often, I'm always like, oh, what's going on in the smoking gun? I'm like, oh, wait, that's not, that's not what's going on. So, one of these days, I'm going to work that into something I do. Nice. Well, uh, TSG, we're glad to have you on. And the Green Bay Packers took the Lombardi Trophy back to Titletown and totally pwned the Super Bowl. So wild card number six we got there. Um, Lil Wayne has been singing about it on my iPod nonstop uh, before, during, and after the game. So we're just going to give a little shout-out to our Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, representing a great state of Wisconsin. Uh, Greg, any thoughts on that? Yeah, Woodson went down. Shields went down, driver went down, you guys counted us out, and we still took it home. Yeah, TSG, why'd you count us out? Uh, you know, I don't really know anything about football. I usually try to root for one of the teams that's based out of a major hockey franchise area. But since I didn't, I'm not really a Pens fan, I was kind of indifferent this time around, but I, I enjoyed the show. The Admirals, baby. Uh, I'm glad you guys represented for the Ravens. Uh, good job. Um, nice job <laughs> taking out Steelers. Absolutely. Well, you know, that's a good point. Oh. So I guess somebody just drove away from the podcast. Like, you know what? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was outside my apartment. Oh, nice. Outside your refrigerator? Yeah, uh, see? There you go. You keep up on the lore. Uh, John, John, that's, uh, a, that's a refrigerator box, buddy, not a refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have to sit right next to my refrigerator while doing these podcasts, and, uh, the window in my kitchen is right next to the street, so of course. every yeah. once in a while you'll get somebody going by. Hey, we all get hungry. Um, I also have to sit next to my refrigerator. Got to keep the calorie count up, and um, okay. yep, let's let's do it. So, uh, Super Bowl green and yellow got there, pretty dope. We'll put a link to that video in our show notes. And I just have to say one last thing about that is that. Greg's right. We did have our B team out there. We didn't have well some of our B team. We didn't have our, our full lineup. We lost some of our greatest players, uh, and and we still got there. And it just goes to show that depth and defense and uh, you know basically just pushing through whatever adversity comes your way. It's a good life lesson. If uh, Lombardi were around, I think he would have something to say about it. But he's not, and I'm can't think of a good quote. Uh, but anyway, we'll probably yeah. Uh, we were, I mean, we were the most. 
I mean, I'm, not to get into it, but we were the most injured team this year. We had we had 15 players off of our uh, starting roster like went on the IR this year, which is just an insane stat. That's um, a lot, yeah. So, and, uh, yeah. yeah. And some and huge superstars, pretty, too. Yeah, exactly, some pretty key ones. So, yeah, that was awesome. What a great time, and I, yeah, a great, great, great game. Okay, so moving on. We also... Uh, wanted to well, we wanted to have you on TSG for a couple of reasons. One, because we got some new podcasts we got to promote with you, Hardcast, right? No. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I'm not I'm not sure if we're gonna throw the the on the front of it or not. I kind of like the uh, the spinoff of like Hardball with you know somebody like what Chris Matthews whatever. It was like Hardcast with TSG and the Beam. Um, otherwise, we might go with the Hardcast and just I'm not sure how we're gonna go with it yet, but I'm pretty happy with the title. I, I don't remember who the user was that submitted it, but that's what we're going to go with for the the first flagship Channel Fireball podcast. That's awesome. And uh, you guys had your first... Uh, we get a little bit of feedback. Here. One second. Do you want to try out the, the mute when... Yeah. Do you get, we have liftoff. There we go. Okay. Do you see if it's me? You want to see if it's me? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we get funky things on the Skype, and we'll try to edit out as good as possible. But, you know, it's Skype. We've got to work through it. But yeah, TSG wanted you to uh, to promote the new show, and, and I listened to the first one with uh, you and Robert, and it was awesome because you basically broke down some of the articles. You didn't go through the whole thing piece by piece, but you you kind of gave a little bit of a teaser and some of the interesting reasons why people would want to read the articles. Is that going to be the format of the show? Is that how you guys are going to continue the model? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the original idea for a podcast for us was we wanted to recap everything that went on our website every week because not everyone reads every single thing. And that was something we could cover that obviously no one else was covering right out of the gate. Uh, The nice thing for me was that Robert has already volunteered to read or watch everything that gets posted to the the website every week, and I don't have to, and I rarely do. So that kind of helps out. If he does all of that, like, busy work, like learning, reading, all that stuff, then I can do the rest of the things I usually do. And it's kind of flowing pretty well right now, because if we have someone that covers the stuff that gets posted, we can interject with, um, you know, like market watch and product releases and specials and things like that. Uh, we, we do plan on offering like special promo codes only for the podcast, kind of like insider deals, which is my kind of like specialty that I can bring to the table. But we, I think we want to stick with kind of, initially covering the weekend review. I've already got some feedback from people being like, but I already read everything that goes up on your website. Why would I want to listen to you talk about what got posted on your website for half an hour? And we're trying to bring more to that. I mean, I, I like the fact that we have a lot of like unscripted stuff where Robert will just ask me whatever's on the top of his head. Like last week, like half the cards you want to know about weren't even on like the list of things I was going to mention. But it, it, I think it flowed really well. It worked really well. And thankfully, that's my expertise. So it's stuff I can rattle off. Yeah, definitely, and and I think that's a good point that maybe you want to put in a little bit of extra content, like some analysis or thoughts that aren't on the website, but I actually really like that format, and I think that for some people, like I, unlike Robert, I'm not able to read every single article as soon as it comes out. Um, I have Sprint, and sometimes my service cuts out, so I don't get to get all that when I'm, you know, when I'm on my smartphone, unfortunately. Uh, but that's why having the podcast is so awesome, because you get a feel for the content, and then you can say, oh, I really want to follow up on that article and mark a, a few ones down. Because, you know, I'll say, like, I appreciate the channel Fireball hosts us. I think they're a great site, but I don't exclusively read you guys. I'll read some stuff from, uh, you know, 
O2 Drop, I'll read some stuff from Star City Games, I'll read, you know, stuff from all over, and some of the bigger ones, some of the smaller ones, there's just so much content out there that being able to get a preview like that in the podcast form is really helpful for me because I can, uh, if I want more information and I want to follow up, I'll, like, mark it down and say, this is an article I really want to read, but it kind of gives you a preview without having to spend the time of actually, you know, reading through every single article that Channel Fireball puts out. And it might be a model that other uh, places want to pick up on that you guys kind of pioneered. I think it's a, it's a great way of going about it. Um, but I feel if, you're, if you guys are going to put on some extra um, content on there as well. Uh, and is there anything else that we should know about the podcast that, that you guys are putting out for Channel Fireball? Are there any special surprises coming up or cool guests you'll have on? Um, and we're still in our infancy of trying to work stuff out. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate timing that we got started right as most of the pros that we work with are working on other things. I mean, between the Magic Cruise, uh, the first Magic Weekend in Paris, then we've got the Grand Prix in Denver the week after, it's going to be kind of hard to talk to most of the team to try to get them to do stuff. But it is a goal of ours in the future to have guest spots, especially by the authors during the week, so they can bring you extra insight on stuff. Um, you know, it's great. You've already talked about it. You're like, you know, I, I barely read anything magic related as far as articles go a week. I don't have time to read our own website, let alone others. Um, Ditto. so it's great for me. Like I'm a, I'm a listener and a viewer within doing the podcast. When Robert talks about the stuff that we had posted on the site in the, in the last week, like I probably saw the headlines of half of them, probably looked at the first like hundred words of like two of them and probably read like one of them per week on average. So I'm just as interested to know, like, what should I go back and look at as anyone else? And I, I think it's, I think it's great because, you know, half half the time that I do end up reading Magic Articles, they're not necessarily on our website because a lot of those people I talk to already. Um, and I think it's great. But in the future, like, kind of the goal that we wanted, like, we want to post them on Fridays. We want to make them um, appeal to everyone. We want to make them F and M players, tournament players that are going to PTQs, so you can kind of like listen to it on a Friday. And you're like, oh, well, there's new sideboarding options for 5cc and extended in this person's article? That's sweet. I wish I could go check that out before going to the PTQ this weekend. Or, you know, what should I play at FNM this week? Oh, that's a great idea. Or I really like that deck. Or I really like that card. Or I really like that combo. It's something you can pick up from our podcast and hopefully go into your own Magic Weekend. I mean, for me, like just in the past years, like, you know, uh, Evan Irwin's Magic Show, which is really like pioneering and, you know, a magic media to me because I'm not a big reader was so great that, you know, usually before going to F&M, I would watch the Magic Show. And every once in a while, I'd pick up something from there. It would be a real gem to talk about with other players or maybe a card I hadn't thought of for a deck. And I really want to just kind of extrapolate on that idea for our listeners and hope that we can give people just a little bit of everything for going into playing Magic on the weekends because it's still like, I, mean, I still feel like that's what a lot of people do. And, you know, especially people that want to listen to Magic podcasts and are that interested into it, that's the stuff they're looking for. And, and you know, tying it into bringing in our authors, you know, let's say somebody writes something any point during the week, but they have an update to an article they wrote, or they have a new idea, or they have sideboarding options they didn't talk about. Being able to get that author and get them on the podcast late in the week to be like, well, here's a quick update, or here's something I hadn't thought of, or just kind of an add-on is something we really want to do, and I think it's going to be great once we get it all put together. Absolutely. And that's... Uh... I mean, that that's awesome, and, and it sounds like our show is more geared towards spiky players, but it sounds like that content is even going to be relevant for kind of players of all ilk, not just the ones who, who want to get on in on the tournament scene, hey? Oh, definitely. Like, I mean, I want every one of you guys and your listeners to listen to our show because we've got 
the pros writing about this stuff and you know I'm, I'm still ptqing whenever i get the rare opportunity to and it's stuff i want to know about if i'm going to an event but at the same time i know plenty of people of different interest levels where you know they're only working worried about their local fm metagame they're only trying to build a budget deck for that area they really want to know like what cards they can buy with their limited bankroll or you know what they should hold on to and not get scammed when they're trading with people at events um, and that's all stuff I want to be able to bring to people uh, for these podcasts. Again, for for different different levels of interest. How how long is that content going to typically be? Do you have um, a like? Are you looking to make it a specific period of time, half an hour, less, more? Well, it's, it's funny when I first got into the, the kind of the podcast scene, which I've learned is quite the subset of of magic interest um, through from through Monday Night Magic. The first show I was on with those guys, we did almost two and a half hours. And I, you know, to be honest, I'd only listened to like a few podcasts before even really getting to know uh, Chris Atwell and and Tom through from MTG Cast. And I just get I get lost. Like I just I have ADD, I swear, and I can't make it more than like ninety minutes through any podcast, no matter how engaging it is or how much I like to hear the sound of my own voice. I'll just I mean I'll literally actually start doing housework if I'm at home and listening to them because I just I get so distracted. So I'm not to say that I have like I've been part of podcasts subsequently that have been two hours, two hours plus, but I really think that the best way to keep an audience and the best way to deliver the most concise information is really be kind of in that hour mark. I mean, if you think about like news programs, like I sat, I've listened to 60 minutes, or I watched 60 minutes as a kid, and like it can be engaging, but that's about as much as I can handle. Like if I if I have like two hours devoted to magic news or magic deck lists, I don't think I could handle it. I I, I agree. <laughs> how, how much do you think it's not banter oriented yeah how much do you think that's related to the the kind of media that you're listening to um you know and the reason i ask that is because i, I think i i actually brought this question up to, to john and greg uh earlier when we were talking about uh kind of getting the episodes a little bit shorter and uh a lot of the the podcasts that i listen to on the magic network i wouldn't mind if they were you know hours long like I, I can listen to Joey and Big Head Joe talk for hours, and uh, the Eighteen Guys and uh, Scrubland. You know, I think all of those shows really have a lot of really good chemistry, and and they're even not, even if you get away from their banter, a lot of times the the information that they're sending out is in such a, a you know a dynamic way that I, I can just listen to it for a long time. Do you think that that's maybe due to uh, in part the the chemistry of the 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 shows that you've been listening to, or or do you think that it, um, it maybe did not? Do I think that? the hosts and the host chemistry goes a long way. I know that when I first started listening to My Night Magic, not having a connection to the people that do it, and not really necessarily knowing who was sitting around their virtual table, kind of made it hard to follow. But you know, I've listened to a few A teams. I really like those guys, um, and I just the sound of Tom's voice from Monday Night Magic is very soothing to me now. And I think I could listen to like like characters that have now like developed to me that I I just, I just I'm, I'm more interested in what they have to say, not necessarily the news they're reporting. Will sure. definitely keep me enthralled longer. And like you know, all of a sudden you feel a relationship with these people, but you're like, oh, yeah, I I feel the same way about you know Commander, or I like you know I don't like playing that kind of format or deck or something. And like you're you feel more connected to what they're saying. And they'll be more interested in, in the long run. Um, I, I, I still, I, I just think I have ADD because I, I can't make it through that much. So like, I, I think I've made it probably to two full A-team podcasts and probably like one whole Scrubland process. I, I will say, I did listen to all of your guys' episode. Was it 15 or 16, the last one that got put out? I promised you I listened to that one back to front <laughs> because I didn't, want, I didn't want to be on the show without 
getting a little research in. Well, we appreciate that, and and that's actually a really good transition point to say getting to know people better because you know TSG. Be perfectly honest, we don't know jack about you. You know what I'm saying? LSV. You know we got his whole bio. We learned about him after that Elves uh, phenomenon. We got and the website got launched. A lot of the other pro players out there. You know, but we really see you a lot. You and Humphrey. You may or may not be a botanist. We know that. You are into hockey. Let's see. And that's and that's all you got? Is that what you're telling me? The, the long um there means that I'm that's, that's to, my bio? Yeah. Well, you have a fridge by your podcast. <laughs> I, I, there um, we go. There we go. Tying it all together from earlier. Yes. Uh, wrapped up. <laughs> so, so on that note, let's get to know you a little bit better. Uh, what? First of all, just give us a, a synopsis of your magic history, how long you've been playing for, and your highlights, meaning Pro Tour appearances, etc. Okay, well, uh, thankfully that last part will make this very short. Um, I was introduced to the game probably in late 93, but didn't really see any real cards until 94. Um, I was immediately enthralled. It was very interesting. Like I liked the fantasy artwork, um, and the fact that it was a game was very interesting. My parents abhorred video games, and would not, you know, like, we'd go to my uncle's house, and we'd play on his Nintendo for like 12 hours straight just because my brother and I couldn't get, you know, we, we didn't have access to it, we couldn't get it. But my mom thought it was just going to make us uh, retards, and we would never be able to get out in front of a television. So we were barred from video games, which made Magic even more interesting when we were first introduced to it. Although my brother was considerably younger, so it only really caught with me when I saw it. So I played from 94, which was, you know, like fifth grade, up and through, up to like, early sophomore year of high school, which was all kind of convenient because that was when masks came out. And conveniently enough, magic was no, not PC in high school. Like apparently for some, I didn't understand the social interactions, but in middle school it was fine. If you played cards, like whatever, like it was your own thing. We're all still friends in high school. It was like, you were the super nerdy kids or you were the outcasts or usually hung out with the weird goth people or the glue eaters. So it was was (laughs) not as awesome. So, so it was perfect timing for me. Like masks came out. Magic was terrible. I have a whole bunch of Urza's block cards, as well as my yeah. Magic collection. They're worth a lot. So nice. here, I am as a, here I am sitting as a sophomore in high school. I was like, all right, well, I could get a job like my friends and, you know, like bus tables on the weekends and make some money. Or I could just sell my Magic collection and not have to work the entire time I'm in high school. So it was really perfect timing for me. Like, you know, selling my Magic collection, getting a couple thousand dollars to a 15-year-old is ridiculous. Like, it, pretty much, that's all the tacos at Taco Bell you could eat for as long as you wanted to, and I didn't own a car. Like, I, I was, like, going, going to school in um, Santa Cruz, California, it's not, like, our population's probably, like, 50, 60, you know, and we're still a little pretty, pretty spread out. Like, granted, like, 45 minutes away is San Jose, San Francisco area. It's a little more metropolitan, but you needed somebody to drive you around. Otherwise, you couldn't get to where you were going. What about the tournament scene for you, then? When did that start? Well, so, right out of high school, um... A friend of mine from high school, we got a place together. We're going to go to college. And at the time, neither one of us knew that we had played Magic, you know, in, in earlier ages of our life. And my, my roommate just kind of blindly was like, hey, you remember, you remember Magic? Like, did you play that game? I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I played that game. And this was early 2002. We went and bought, you know, we went down a local, like, comic book shop that was still open near us because a lot of them had closed by that point just because... You know, collectibles weren't as big or whatever. Like, you know, sports were really dried up in the 90s, whatever. It was harder to find a card store. We go down, we buy, like, one booster pack of, like, everything they had. We ended up playing, like, heads-up sealed deck with, like, 
a judgment booster, a torment booster, an odyssey booster, a mask starter, and like whatever the guy had had. And like, it was fun and all. And I was, I was like, well, this is, this was cool. Um, but then like a couple of weeks later, my, my roommate was like, Hey, you, you saw the magic cards we bought the other day. I was like, yeah, sure. They're like sitting by my desk, whatever. He's like, can I, can I have them? I was like, okay, whatever. And he was like, you know, you know, people play this game like for reals, like for keeps. Right. And I was like, Oh, I remember I watched, I watched the video, like the 1998 champs decks or whatever we bought, like uh single with the draw go deck against uh what's his name with the mono white empirical armor deck. Like, yeah, I remember, like people play Sure. Whatever. He was like, we should do that. I'm like, really? He was like, well, yeah, like, I want to. Like, we can play. I'll buy cards. He had a better job than I did at the time. I was like, all right, I got nothing else going on. This beats Counter-Strike, which was pretty much what I was doing competitively before that. And um, we got more and more interested in it. And tie, you know, tying it together to closer to what I do now, you know, we would kind of like almost run cards between where we lived on the coast to the valley in the San Jose area because there was a large store, which is now channel fireball. But before that it was called a superstars game center. And before it was superstars game center, it was superstars of sports in the eighties. So you can kind of see the, the connection here, the flow. And, um, the owner there would, you know, we would sell stuff to him. At a, he would sell, we would sell stuff to him. He would sell it at a premium because it was the largest store in the Bay area. We would make money off the fact that we were, you know, trading low, selling high, um, from the, from Santa Cruz where we were at. Not only that, but we were, Living together, which meant we play tested a lot against each other. Magic Online was still relatively new at that point. I remember drafting a ton of Odyssey block and Onslaught, like triple Onslaught online. We, like, there was a time where we weren't really doing much. So Thursday nights, we would draft triple Onslaught until we passed out. You know, there may or may not have been some other activities involved. Get our friends together, go to Friday Magic, go back to the house, draft until 2 in the morning, mm-hmm. make it get up in time for the PTQ the next morning, drive to wherever that was. And then, you know, recover Sunday to try to make it school on Monday. And that was like our life for probably like a year. I mean, I remember really like making money on Magic Gathering online before there were bots, just like flipping foil rares, buying for one, selling three for four. Um, Winning, like winning, like there was no, there was only eight fours. So everyone had to play them. You usually split, uh, but you didn't always. I remember turning our three packs of Onslaught into like 40, which like at the time on Magic Online was like absurd to be able to run your product up that high. Wow. And, and we made tickets on it and we played a lot. And that pretty much held us over until through Mirrodin block. And well, it's got to be you know, a little, top, it's, it's, if you're living in an area like that, that's got to be huge because without that online access, you wouldn't have had a regular like group to draft with that often and no it's um, we actually had a pretty good play group in our area it was we came around kind of right as the guard was changing i mean being in santa cruz we have the university right up the hill so our friday magic studio usually had a rotating cast of students to be coming in from other areas so we met a lot of people from la we let met a lot of people from you know oregon that would come to uc ucsc um that and we went over the hill to play and it's funny in uh, the second ptq season i ever played in I played against Luis in the first PGQ he ever played in an onslaught block constructed. I think it was like like round four or five of some onslaught block constructed PTQ. And Luis loves telling the story because he won. And then uh, from there on, he went on to have a very good lifetime record against me. I think I'm currently like two, seven and one in, in like sanctioned matches against Luis. But it's funny because I left the game again. Like my roommate and I, we, we moved, we moved to different places um, 
I poker like I turned 21 and poker was obviously massive 2004 2005. Sure. So things things kind of shifted again. All of a sudden, you know, like as before, I could sell my magic cards and I work in high school. This time I could sell a whole bunch of them to build a bankroll. And then I played poker for a living from 2000 like the end of 04, it's like 05 through pretty much the end of 07, mostly because of the port security bill getting passed, which meant that there were far fewer donks out there just depositing all the time. Uh, my life had changed. My girlfriend was taking up a lot more of my time. She didn't quite understand that when I sat down in front of my computer, that was like working time. Right. She kind of thought that was like, you're just screwing around doing something else time. Right. So, you know, at the end of 07, I had to get a real job. Like I still had a lot of magic cards and I was interested in playing, but it wasn't the same interest level I, used, I had before. So I um, built a cube, which was a ton of fun. Um, it's probably in many ways the reason that I'm even here now doing this. Because uh, if it hadn't been for that, I don't know if I would have been able to sustain the interest level while I you know, went and got a real accounting job, a nine-to-five job, and did stuff. And then eventually the um, owner of Superstars Game Center and what would become Channel Fireball approached me and asked if I would come work for him because I, you know, he had known me in much younger, like hustling cards, flipping stuff, knowing the market really well, you know, turning type two rares into power over time. Mm-hmm. Um, knew I had a good sense for it. Knew, you know, obviously my amazingness. And uh, so I came to work, I came to work for him at the near the end of 08. And at the time, the website was bigfireball.com and bigfireball.com had been purchased from people he knew. It was on a different network of sites that was pretty small. We did most of our business through eBay and we wanted to do something bigger. We saw a big opening in the magic community and what was being offered to players just in the secondary singles market. Um, Luis, again, he lives in, he was a Davis. I'm from Santa Cruz. We all kind of congregate in the same Bay Area area. We used to play vintage at the Superstars Game Center a lot. He was always, Luis was always one week ahead of me. It was brutal. Like he would just play gifts, like with the new tech. Like I remember like he was recouping Yogg Will for the Infinite Loop like the week before I figured it out. And it just always ruined me. So like I had a relationship with him ahead of time. We love the idea of the concept of Channel Fireball. Um, and we were ready to kind of like go with it at the beginning of 2008 site got launched and um most most people kind of caught it up from there i mean we, we've done a lot in what's only a couple of years or so or so yeah oh nine sorry i was saying i got hired no way we we launched in no nine it's really only been two years and it seems like so much longer has passed well yeah you guys have really done a lot in that amount of time i remember when the site first got launched and i have to say when i first saw it i was like oh man this is kind of empty and crappy because i saw it when it first you know hit the market but since then i've been so impressed the first thing i was impressed with was how much you guys bought cards for as a you know online dealer usually dealers give really bad prices because you know they're in it to make money but you guys right away were giving amazing uh buy deals and maybe that was just because you wanted to i don't know you, you i have no idea you know you know what you're doing you guys are in that business i'm not a hustler in that sense uh, I, I you know i don't know that the market as well but i just saw that and i think still today you guys are one of the better buy sites now i i am kind of a hustler uh and um i definitely have to agree that um i managed to sell some cards at a pretty sweet premium to them pretty recently 
uh, mostly I decided to sell my fairies deck, and they were buying um, Thoughtseize at twenty five bucks. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> those are so sold. It was awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I actually did the exact same thing. I, I looked at my Lorem Block cards, and I was like, all right, am I actually going to have a chance to play it all this season, or am I just going to be working? And I was like, for twenty five dollars of Thoughtseize, when I traded for them what seems like ages ago or won them off of people, like, I'm pretty ready to turn those eight dossiers into $200 and then everything else I had. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, I'd like to say we're better than competitive when it, when it comes to buying stuff in the marketplace. Um, you would be challenged to find better buy prices on Channel Fireball. Uh, and this isn't just a big advertisement of like hands down. Like, I, you know, like a few hours of the week when I'm not working, I'm a customer too. Like I'll buy stuff from other websites um, I'll sell stuff to even us, you know, from my own collection, and uh, it's the best, hands down. I, I, I think that, like, I wouldn't be as excited to do everything I do with the website if I didn't like what we did so much. Absolutely, and yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's it is definitely not a a uh, you know, it's it's not a, just a straight advertisement because you guys don't pay us. But if you guys uh, didn't give good deals, we wouldn't say that. And you guys who are listening can check it out. Channel Fireball is definitely one of the, the the best sites out there as far as free content, videos, and pricing. Like all you know, all of it together, it's, it fits really well. Um, although for a long time, and I was talking with Owen about this. You know, he's a Milwaukee guy, and we were out for drinks one night. I think Greg, you remember this? We were talking about how he, you know, we were just kind of talking shop and asking him, you know, about his articles and whatever else, and. You know, I was like thinking about. It, I was like, I have no idea how those guys make money because there's no premium feature to it. Meaning, it's all free. All the content is free. And how you guys were able to, you know, I, I was like, it can't just be off the cards. I doubt that they deal that much volume because you guys have a lot of writers, and you probably have to pay, you know, those guys a, a handsome sum, and you have, uh, you know, upkeep for the site, and you probably have to hire someone for that, everything else. So, I was like, I wonder how they make money, and. Then I saw you guys started doing the not the the annoying advertisements that you know kind of flood your computer screen and pop up all over the place and then you click one another one pops up and you can't really control it. They do that for our local newspaper and I hate it for that website. But you guys have the ones where in the front of your videos they'll have you know it's usually like a ten second thing for whatever random product you know they think people that visit your site are interested in i don't i can't think of one off the top of my head but i saw that eventually came up but does that mean that you guys are always going to be a free site is that is that what that means like if i can interpret that um the goal the goal has always been the same and that's to make to bring as much diverse as well as the best content possible to the website and keep it free as long as possible. Um, we have brainstormed many a ways to add to what we have, improve what we have, and yet keep it free. And that's, you know, one of my prime goals in being involved with it. Uh, I never paid for Brainburst Premium when it was like the place to go. I remember my roommate paid for it for like three months once. He thought it was so sweet to have Zvi's like set reviews and articles and at the end of the day like i felt i learned more from playing interacting with people and coming up with my own ideas and seeing what worked and didn't than paying for other people's content and i've am i like again this isn't like i don't want to come off like i'm an advertisement for us or am i knocking anyone else but i've never paid for brainverse premium i've never paid for star city premium and i can't think of a situation where i would do that like i 
I, I don't think, I think the information is free. And that's one of the things I loved when I met Tom and Chris from MTG cast that it was, you know, like if you, you want to share this stuff, you want to write about it, that that's what it is at its core. And for us with the writers, like there being so many of them and, you know, we are in an era, an era of magic now that we've never been in before where the, the people that play it are commercialized more than they ever have been. So all of a sudden they have a monetary value attached to them. They didn't before it does make it harder for us to stay competitive and bring more writers to our website and keep it free, especially, you know, as names get bigger, it's harder and harder. So we do try out different things. I mean, we've tried out a bunch of different advertising um, companies for the front of our site. A lot of them were very unsuccessful. A lot of them had untargeted advertising or just inappropriate advertising or those pop unders that we like hated or worse yet, like audio starting when you went to the page. So we're still, still working on finding a better balance um, to, you know, not take away from the experience when you come to the website, but at least generate enough ad revenue that we can continue to bring you the level that we brought so far. Whatever you guys are doing is phenomenal because it's, you know, it's, I hope it gets to stay free and whatever our listeners can do to support that you guys should, if they have any ads on there, click on them a bunch of times or I don't really know how you monetize the web, but whatever you need to do to support you guys do it because it's a great website. Um, um, interestingly enough, like page, like page views and like video and, uh, like video and, and audio views go a long way because for us, like we'll get more money from advertisers if we can show we have more numbers in a certain period. So, you know, watch Magic TV twice in a week. Maybe there's something you missed. Maybe there's a joke that Luis said you didn't get before. Maybe there was a price scrolling you want to see again. Like, you know, just watch twice, help a brother out. We'll go from 30, 35,000 views a week to close to 70, and that'll go a long way. Sure. Uh, that, would, that would be my sales pitch for what to ask. That that refresh button is is mighty easy to tap. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, one, one other question we want to ask before we kind of move on from TSG's uh, biographical info is I did check out your cube because I'm also a huge cube fan. It is the best format ever, I think, or, or one of the top three at least. And uh, I noticed we'll, we'll put your list up on our on our site, but how often do you get to cube now with everything else, and where does that fit in to you as a competitor? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a great question because now is a perfect example. I spent... A lot of time on the Mirrodin Besieged update. Uh, I actually have a small network of people that have like have copied my exact list and probably run it way more than I do to give me feedback on what works and what doesn't, which makes me more and more confident on the things I post because I get less and less time. But um, I worked I worked a long time on the Mirrodin Besieged update, especially for me because I, I decided to finally put power in the cube after what seems like years of going back and forth with the people I know and someone like Luis who would complain so, so much when he would uh, lose this term on soul ring or library and be like, I understand why you just don't have power in here. Like it's all, it's all the same, same situation. I'm like, all right, fine. So I made this final update. Well, not final. I mean, I made this current update. And then, uh, you know, I was at the pre-release. I like, I worked at our booth, the channel fireball booth mm-hmm. for the pre-release. So I didn't get a chance to play then. Uh, we do the set breakdown, which means I can get all my foils. I put all the cards in there. Finally, like, God, what day is it? Today is... Anyway, Monday of this week, I was like, all right, I've got a lot of work to do tonight for updating the website. I'm going to take a couple hours this afternoon. I'm going to sit down. I'm going like, to call in somebody I know. We'll do some wins and drafts. We'll start to play with some more of the cards since I haven't got too much feedback from the people I know yet because they're still making the changes. Sit down, run one draft, 
then it's like, all right, hey, you got to head out to a distributor and pick up product. Like, we just got more stuff in. You got to go get it. And I was like, what? We just sat down. I was like, we got to do it before five. Like, they're going to close. No one else has their car here right now. I'm like, oh, are you killing? Are you kidding me? Packed it all up. Never got to play. Oh, so man. nowadays, yeah, yeah. So nowadays, the times I really get a chance to play the most would be like on the road. Uh, when we go to do shows, uh, large or small events, I try to bring it with me. Um, and I try to play. It's harder at larger events because I want to play with so many people, but it's getting like my, my box is getting to the value point where it's really difficult to sit down at an open table with seven people. You may know a few of and just let them handle all your stuff. But I, I want to like the person in me is just like, you know, no one, no one's going to want to take this stuff. Do they realize how much time and energy you put into putting this thing together? Why would they want to rip something off from you? But, um, I don't know, like, right. I, I barely get to play anymore. I, I often hand my box off to people I know more than I actually get to play. Okay, well, uh, shotgun the next game with you when we're in town. Um, and uh, moving right along, uh, we... we is any, to... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, is anyone coming down to... I oh, know, I guess you guys are kind of far away. I was going to say was coming down to D.C. end of this month for uh, the Star City Games Open. Would love to. Um, but no. No. One of these days, I'm going to make it out to all that stuff. Yeah. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be rocking Denver next. We'll be really rocking Denver. Are you coming to Denver, Big Head Joe? Uh, no, I am not. That's too, too short a notice for me. Uh, so I was looking at the, I was looking at the, um, uh, the, the GPT, but they were calling for crappy weather, so I didn't feel like uh, making the trip down to D.C. to do the GPT. Uh, we were just going to go anyway, uh, just to play in the, uh, you know, like a 24K, but like... Um, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to figure some, you know, we'll, we'll all get together at some tournament where we can get a bunch of the podcasts together, and we'll have to document it, and um, I'll pony you out some cube. Anyway, uh, moving right <laughs> along... Let's uh let's let's go to uh the pre releases and talk a little bit about those. Um Jarrett, how'd you do at your pre release? Uh I went four and two. I came in seven with a pretty sick fresh team pool. Nice. Okay. Uh let's see who else we got. BHJ. Big head Joe, how about you? I I went O two drop at the only pre release I played in. I played in the regional down in uh D C. Uh-huh. Um but I went and got some quality trading done. I actually scooped to my friend who I went down there with uh, in round two. Um, we uh, around, I mean, we, we were two minutes from time going into game three, and I was like, you know what? I want to go trade. You got the win. Uh, so I just gave him the win and, and, and moved on with my day. Um, and because of that, he actually got to – he managed to go 2-2 two, two and, and, and won a pack. So, you know, he wanted to play. I wanted to trade. So we all got some value out of it. It was good. Um, I, I do, I do want to mention, I've mentioned it twice on our podcast now, but I want to mention that Sunday, uh, I ran a pre-release at, uh, my local store and, uh, we managed to get 32 players, which was the only thing we needed to hit advanced level organizer status. So I'm nice. just super pumped because now, now apparently, thanks. Apparently we can run GPTs, which I just saw on the uh, scheduling thing. Um, the, the, the main things that you get is, is the ability to, to run GPTs. Well, the thing I'm most excited about is being able to run dual FNMs, being able to run uh, standard and limited every week because a lot of our players uh, won't play standard but will only play limited, and a lot of our players 
won't play limited and will only play standard. And frankly, I'm done losing uh, <laughs> some of our players to other stores on Friday nights. You know what I mean? We got them all now. It's like okay, and let's, so then just come. Let's give a shout you. out to that store. What's what's your store again? Amazing Spiral Comics uh, in the Rotunda Mall in Baltimore, Maryland, in Hamden. See, ain't no ain't no T in Baltimore. I always try to tell everyone that. That's right. But hey, um, we watch The Wire. We know. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> That, <laughs> it's kind of sad that like a lot of people's only experience of Baltimore is the wire. Uh, it's not and, well, necess- from, from watching the show. It's actually probably pretty good that that's the only experience for a lot of people. It seems like it no, really man, it, it, it ain't that bad. You know, if you just treat people with respect, man, they'll respect you. Respect. But um, but you got a knuck if you buck. That's right. You got a knuck if you buck, boy. <laughs> no, but uh, sorry. <laughs> um, I, also, uh, the launch party was. The, the most fun for me was because uh, I always um, was it for I guess it was uh, Scars of Mirrodin. We did a two-headed giant sealed launch party, right? And uh, I didn't know like the last two-headed giant event we did, we had like exactly eight players, which wasn't a lot of fun. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the launch party two-headed giant sealed, and we had 24 players show up for the Scars of Mirrodin launch party. I was like, wow, this is great. So um, of course, you know why fix something that isn't broken so we uh went and did the um the mirrored and besieged launch party two at a giant field we had 22 players um and we used faction packs too because we had leftover faction packs from the pre-release so people pick their faction and um and we gave them four faction packs per team and um it was actually really fun um uh i don't i don't know i loved it i loved it yeah sounds, it sounds it was, amazing for, for so four and four and uh, how, many, four, how many packs overall? Four and four, eight packs total. Yeah, four, uh, that's four awesome. scars and then four faction packs. Um, it wound up being really, really fun. So good times, and then plus it also counted towards our war league. Like if if you were if you were playing for the you know the team that you chose at the because we had people choose their faction at the pre-release and stick with it. So if you chose your faction at the pre-release and then you played that faction at the launch party, those wins count towards your war league wins. So it was, it was kind of neat. Um, I played the other faction, so I didn't actually get uh, my wins, but oh well. <laughs> yeah. It seemed Frexia was tilted a little, it was a little unfair in, in favor of Frexia. Um, and uh, Russ, how about you? How's your, your experience? Uh, mine was pretty good. I had a, a pretty ridiculous uh, sealed pool, Phyrexian pool on Saturday at the pre-release. Uh, it had uh, Massacre Worm, Worm Coil Engine, Phyrexian Hydra, and uh, just some ridiculous curve, and uh, went undefeated on that one. Um, and that was a pretty small event. They only had a, a payout um, in the Misty Mountain style, so it was a um, number of packs equal to the number of wins so that they could pay out to more people. Um, and then on Sunday, I went Phyrexian again and took second at uh, another relatively small uh, pre-release. But, nice. um, you know, yeah, so did well both times. Sweet, man. Well, congrats. Uh, and, Greg, how about you? You played in quite a few uh, tournaments, right? Yeah, I, I, I typically try and get a lot in. Um, I didn't – I wasn't as crazy this time as I sometimes am. Uh, I played in a midnight pre-release uh, with you. We actually played in that one that uh, we talked about on a previous show. Um and uh i i did fairly poorly um i i thought my pool was absolutely atrocious um but we can blame my my absolute lack of skill um 
but yeah, so I definitely I went one two and then uh, dropped before the hemorrhaging <laughs> got any worse. Um, so yeah, I definitely then real birded for the uh, the remaining couple of rounds and and kept trying to like rebuild my my in, in between rounds like handing the deck the uh, the pool off to people and seeing if they could rebuild it better and I keep kept getting uh, negative feedback about how like not fun my pool was. I I it was it was Frexian. And I had um, something ridiculous, something like um, one total black infect creature in the entire in the entire thing. And, I don't know. It was just it was, it was like mono, mono green splash, like something. I don't know. It was mess. Anyway, um, then I I went Frexian the next day, hoping to actually get to experience Frexian. Uh, and it, I had we had a seventy one player, you know. Uh, turnout for the the morning draft over at uh, at GU or not draft uh, sealed, which was pretty outstanding. Uh, I haven't been to an event. I've never gone to a regional pre-release, and uh, 70, 71 players is definitely the most I've ever played with. So, um, yeah, I I opened up my my packs and noted a extreme lack of um, of infect cards again, which I thought was just Un- unbelievable, but uh, I had I had enough to build a, an infect deck, and then after building it, recognized that uh, the blue that I was going to try and splash for a third color because there was this um, Vendalkin Alchemist, the one two for a three that um, you tap it, uh, tap him and pay one blue and two colorless. You can put a minus one minus one counter on, on a guy and tap or untap that guy. I thought that guy was so good that I was going to try and splash for him and a thrumming bird, and then realized that I actually had enough blue to kind of go um, uh, non-infect Phyrexian, because um, I had a Consecrated uh, Sphinx, and uh, uh, that deck ended up being kind of insane, and I went uh, with a first-round draw with uh, our friend Alexis. I ended up coming back and going uh, 502 um my only my other draw being to uh um one of the one of the other two people that ended up with the uh the five oh two record. So um breakers because of the draw in the first round ended up being pretty pretty atrocious. So I ended up taking third, but uh it was pretty good. And then I played again after that in like an evening pre release, but and went four one with just a, a nutty pool, but nothing really notable there. I had I had two dragons. So that that's pretty good. Nice. Yeah, it's always fun to pack those in, and pre-release and release weekends are great for that. Um, and it's great for the stores. It's a good way to support your local business, uh, like uh, like Joe was saying. Um, well, uh, now that we've kind of gone over the pre-releases a little bit and we talked about the cards, let's let's go over the Mirrodin Besieged and Limited and, and its implications in Standard. Uh, first, before we get into that, I want to apologize to Russ Lilly. Russ, I was wrong. I didn't back you up. You had a very good point before about disseminator web, and Max was, you know, spitting some some. some yeah, I think it. it really when when it comes down, I think it was really Max that was championing but I, the but I didn't anti-web cause. I didn't speak up about it, and I should have. I was kind of silent on the whole subject, but you were right. Disseminator web is much better than I thought it was, and uh, very uh, playable and sealed for sure. Um, uh, possibly also in draft, so good call on that. Um, and let's uh, let's go over the 
We're, we got a couple other things we want to touch on uh, while we're keeping this in time. Judge Jarrett's story, uh, a couple decks, but let's talk about some of the cards that are impactful and standard and extended quickly. Uh, uh, Tristan, uh, what do you think about, about Mirrodin Besiege now? Um, I have seen some lists that you'll be you'll be seeing probably in a few days of the Pro Tour, and um, I was a little surprised at the direction of the guys that I know wanted to go, but I was pretty stoked to see how many Mirror and Besiege cards they're playing in Standard. Um, sort of Feast and Famine was one I was really surprised about, uh, and there were a lot that I wasn't surprised about. Obviously, Contested Warzone... Um, Tezzeret, Ink Moth Nexus, Sphere of the Suns, all the, all those cards are going to see action this weekend, Can we, and probably yeah, other stuff. Actually, I, hmm? actually, sorry to interrupt. I want to. I just want to touch on one of those. Uh, please. Uh, well, let's first of all say what Ink Moth Nexus is, and then let's for anyone that hasn't heard yet. But let's say why that's so important in Standard, and and, and why you bring that up as a card. I want to hear uh, about the Warzone too. Yeah. Before we move on. In Inkbox Nexus, it, it's very versatile, and I think that's really what's driving its value right now, and you can use it in a lot of different decks. I mean, it's good on the defensive. You can liken it to a quicksand that gives a counter. Um, it's great because it's an artifact, so you can shape it anew, or you can get Metalcraft for some crazy reason, or better yet, you can make it a 5-5 with Tezzeret, which is a, you know, a, obviously a very popular interaction that everyone's already thought about. Um, Again, it's a man land, which goes a long way. And granted, we're a little spoiled right now in standard. It seems like we have infinite man lands. But uh, it, it has, in fact, which can be good in eternal formats. But again, we're really talking about standard, which I think moving forward from here, I think I think that um, that's a card you really have to look about look at not only today, but a year from now, where in fact is going to be getting more into standard. It's going to be a standard deck. You know, when Scars came out, and when kids at FNM were trying to build Infect decks, it was mostly laughable, you know, trying to be competitive, but it really wasn't there. But this set has really gone a long way with making poisoning your opponent in Constructed really viable, and it's going to be a thing that's going to happen. Like, I'm not going to lie, I'm probably going to get Infected in Constructed. It's going to happen with that mother, with this card. So again, it's, it's versatile, and it goes in many different decks, and it, it serves different purposes in those different decks. So I think that goes a long way for it. Okay, and uh, uh, Russ wanted you to back up Contested Warzone a little bit. Yeah, where, where's the Warzone getting played? Um, it's usually sitting right next to somebody's mountain, and then it's nice. usually being tapped at one to all attacking creatures. That's nice. like its number one and primary goal. However, um, the aggro white or aggro green decks are not afraid to play this card. I don't know how much uh, questing you're going to be seeing this weekend from the pros, but it's something that might be ha- happening, and Warzone might be one of the, uh, the lands they play. The thing that's awkward is that when there was a lot of testing for the format, you know, a deck could run for a contested war zone if it was aggressive and it could be good. But once your opponent is kind of running the same strategy, all of a sudden playing more of them isn't necessarily a good thing. Like you kind of mm-hmm. want your opponent to play one, then you just want to attack into them and steal it. Right. And you guys can just fight over it. As opposed to just being like, oh, well, this card's always going to be good for me all the time. So what's interesting for me now, between when the card was spoiled and when people were talking about playing it, going into Magic Weekend is... Well, are the numbers going to change in people's decks? Are you going to see a Kadafa red deck that only plays two contested Warzone? Because there's going to be, they, you know, whoever's running this deck is going to think there's going to be a larger portion of the metagame that's also playing contested Warzone. But there's not a card you necessarily want to run, right. you know, three well, or four of in play. Maybe, All of a sudden things get crazy. Yeah, and, and maybe it just makes, you know, a couple of sideboard slots as well in that scenario, or you half and half it or something. 
um, because that's obviously great against uh, decks that are not running lots of creatures, uh, not attacking very much. Um, now, uh, those are your picks. Uh, Big Head Joe, Jared, Greg, Russ, uh, any thoughts on Standard? I know, uh, Greg, you brought up Vat Mother, Crusader, and we already talked about Ink Moth Nexus. Black Sun Zenith. That card's nuts. It makes, like, um, what I thought was really interesting uh, looking at the, um, actually at the, at the lists from Star City Indie just, just this last weekend, uh, which is kind of your first opportunity to really see Standard decks, um, we saw... We, we did see the contested war zone uh, in the in the mono mono red deck. Uh, I think signal pass is really nutty in that deck. Um, but m- my no- most notable call out was actually from the the blue black control lists, noting the um, significant lack of um, massacre worm from the top. The, the top in the top sixteen there were three blue black control lists, and massacre worm wasn't in any of those lists. Now it was in some of the other blue black control lists that played but not the ones that were successful. And all of them had um, Black Sun Zenith. So hmm. that, was, that, would be, that would be my call-out of, of good cards that we hope would be good and are actually starting to, to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm, I'm hell-bent on um, making uh, Shape a New Work um, in the Blightsteel Colossus. Uh, <laughs> um, With Master's uh, Call or... But yeah, I'm running. I'm right now. I'm I'm playing blue white control, and it's kind of funny because I keep thinking like, man, if only I had like ten slots to add more counter spells and more removal. And I'm like, well, if I just took out this stupid shape a new blight steel master's call <laughs> package, I would have the slots that I need, and I would just be playing blue white control, and that would be fine. <laughs> um, but I I can't. Um, so I'm not going to, um, I do, uh, I don't remember where I got this idea from, but, um, I'm definitely running two mere battle spheres in the sideboard, uh, against control because if they drop a Jace and they just bounce your blight steel and yeah, nice deck, nice combo. But like, um, so the battle sphere leaves behind four dudes and it's a lot easier to cast. Um, so that's kind of my plan is to side out the combo, uh, or at least side out the blight steals for, um, for mere battle spheres, which uh, seems fun. And also, um, having white um, is great because it gives you access to Day of Judgment with all the cool of red. And of course, I build decks for F&M mostly. Um, I mean, I do like to play, uh, you know, spiky competitive decks. I actually, I had been running um, like aggro decks for like the last, I don't know, four months. And I had gotten a little sick of it. So I was like, you know, I'm going to go back to playing some control for a little while. Um, I've been playing mono white metal craft, just kind of mono, like just basically like white weenie. I didn't even have the quest package in there, uh, because it just felt too clunky to me. Um, and I was running a Johnny Goldbane. <laughs> so, uh, that was kind of fun. The interaction between, uh, steel overseer and a Johnny Goldbane is really fun. Uh, uh, especially when you have two, uh, uh, yeah, not too bad. Um, but I'm playing blue white control with the shape, a new package right now. We'll see if, uh, if it works out. Um, and I also like the uh, access to choking fumes um, for uh, when uh, all the Kuldotha red decks uh, inevitably show up at FNM. Sure. Uh, seems like a pretty good card against them, right? That's pretty sick. Um, right on. And uh, and Jared, how about you? Um, I was just going to say I saw a lot of Kuldotha red at Indy. Like it was, I don't know, it was all over the place and. Um, probably because it's the cheapest deck in standard. 
Like I, I saw that shape in here too, like blue black and blue white. Was it was it uh, similar to the one that uh, Joe was talking about? Also, Blightsteel Colossus. Yeah, I didn't see any mirror battle sphere though. That's pretty tech. Yeah, that's I didn't even cool. think of that. Okay, and uh, you know it's it's interesting you bring up indie. Why don't you tell us a little bit more? Did you have any interesting judge stories from from that uh, event? So <laughs> during the legacy portion, um, I get this judge call and I come over to the table and the, the kid that's explaining. Uh, he's got an Aether Storm Canonist in play, and he's got a sword on the table. He's playing it. And the other guy has some goblins and an extra pate on the table. And uh, the guy with the Canonist is like, so he played this guy this turn, uh, and I wanted to swords his, uh, what is it, Goblin Chief thing? I think it's Haste, or no, um, the other one. Anyway, so he's swordsing the goblin, and the guy's like, well, I want to extirpate the swords in his yard. Uh, and take this one off the stack. And I was like, uh, yeah, this isn't counterbore for one black. Um, <laughs> also, you play, also you played a guy, so no. <laughs> There's so many things wrong with that story. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing, though. Best extra pay. That would be the best counter spell ever. Yeah. You can like, play it after combat, after the spell's resolved. It counters a spell and removes all of them from the game. Ah, uh, that's pretty good. Too bad it doesn't work that way. How was his reaction when he told him that? No, uh, he just looked sullen. He's like, well, I lose. <laughs> yeah, so obviously he knew that he had lost, and he was like, well, I guess I, my brain kind of put this concoction together. Can you, like, stamp it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, cool. So, and you had a good time in Indy? Oh, yeah, great time. Um... Actually, something weird happened, too. Um, in the first draft open, nine people went through XO, and one of them, like, obviously didn't top eight. Uh, like, I, I guess the system gave a 2-0 a buy because there were a lot of weird drops at weird times. Yeah, That's so they weird. gave the guy free entry into the other draft open. Wait a second. Say it run that one more time. They gave him a... How can that work? It was just a glitch in the system? Well, I guess they couldn't have possibly paired it against, like, paired... There were two two O's in a pod, uh-huh. um, and they couldn't play each other for some reason. Like, I don't know. But anyway, I gave a two O a buy. Or no, there were three. There were three two O's. That's what it was. And so they couldn't pair him down because um, every other one O dropped, and he'd already played the other one one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they gave him a buy, and then... So there were nine XO's. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, that is pretty cool. Um, when I mean, cool for him. When stuff well, not if it's the guy who came at night. Right. Well, one other thing that can make that possible is they didn't. They don't. They didn't. They haven't actually hit the full sixty-four yet, which is how you could possibly you have a you have first-round buys. Um. So that. So if no, it was max. It was because of drops. This was round three. No. I'm. Well, then how did how did three people have? Have two O records going into the round then. Well, One of them had already gotten a buy. Yeah, you well, you could do no, you could do it without someone even getting the buy because you know because it's the third round of an eight man. You only have two. Well, this is an eight man. Yeah, so the the, the draft well, opens are eight pods of eight. My head yeah. hurts. 
Yeah, but you, okay, yeah. Fair, this is really interesting podcasting. Uh, more on math later. Um, fair enough. It is interesting. Nine, nine XOs. Yeah. One didn't make it. Okay. That is, that is yeah. really interesting, but the, the explanation is, is killing me. Yeah. <laughs> not, not saying that, no, not saying that you shouldn't explain it. I'm just, I, I can't, I'm like, uh, what? No, this is, this, is, this, is just a, this is the type of thing that I would be like, how the hell did that actually happen? And want to, like, work to make it never happen again. Um, from a TO perspective, because from an organization standpoint, that's I mean that's not what you want to have happening. For sure. I've had weird buys happen before, like because of pods. You know, I think that's just kind of what happens sometimes. Like, because certain play, like you can't. I don't know how big the pods were, but like you know, certain players can't play certain players from the same pod twice. You know what I mean? So like sometimes someone with like a higher record than somebody gets a buy, which is just weird, but it happens. Okay. So, a couple of things we want to bring up uh, is, well, first of all, uh, speaking of decks and, and new cards and everything coming through, we got Pro Tour Paris coming. We got that weekend. Is that That's coming up in a couple of days, hey? Um, actually, in Paris, everybody's, in theory, people are sleeping for the first day of the Magic Weekend, because they actually start, um, last chance qualifiers were earlier today, were, were, were today. Um and the first day actually starts on Thursdays now, which is tomorrow. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Joey's there right now. Did you know that? Whoa. Didn't. Joey's in Paris. Is he doing coverage? Um, he's there with his girlfriend. They were supposed to be on the Magic Cruise, but when uh, the cruise moved from California to Texas, like when the departure place moved, they gave people the opportunity to cancel. They had paid their deposit before, like, they paid their deposit, like, two weeks before they announced Magic Weekend, uh-huh. and it was, like, the same weekend, and they were just like, really? We would have much rather gone to Paris, so when they had the opportunity to cancel, his girlfriend actually suggested, let's go to Paris for Magic Weekend. Wow. So, you know, that's does she, does she play? No. No, she does she's, not. She's oh a keeper. God. That is yeah, baller. She's, no, she's awesome. I, I, I set them up, like, 15 years ago or something um it's <laughs> kind of nuts um but yeah um uh, she's totally awesome uh we've been friends we were friends longer than me and joey have been friends we were friends since like kindergarten maybe before kindergarten but um anyway weird stuff small town um <laughs> um damn it now i lost what the hell i was saying oh yeah so they so they went yeah, so they're there. I don't know how much coverage he's going to actually be doing. I told him he is on Operation Kibler because uh, he's like one of like the few like super awesome folks that we haven't had on the show. Um, so like, um, so we're trying to get Kibler. Um, if he can make that happen, awesome. If he can't, eh, you know, whatever. I hear this thing beeping and beeping at me. I haven't looked at any of this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm lighting up the chat. We're talking about. Um, <laughs> What happened when they they made the change for the? Uh, um, oh, I see now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're yeah, talking yeah. about we're talking about the eight to eighteen episodes. Yeah, so I'm I'm totally distracting everybody else, and obviously you with the little beep beep beep. <laughs> I did not hear that. I mean, I did not hear. Yeah, I did not hear. Um, I did not hear that A team episode, but I heard about that A team episode from my roommate. He's like, "Do you hear that A team episode where Pat Chapin kind of went off on the A team?" Yeah. <laughs> so there's, so, okay, so so a real quick synopsis. There's two episodes. The first one, one right before that, um is when they just found out. They found out like the like earlier that day or like like within the previous couple days and 
Um, they're all upset because from Canada, from Canada, <laughs> from Canada going to California, especially um, um, when some a lot of them had plans to like drive out to California, them changing the port to Texas, which is what happened, totally blew them all out. So like huge changes for flight, like flight change uh, costs, and everybody that wasn't flying, I mean, just they, they got blown out. Anyway, so. Um, Jay Boos ends up going off on Steve Port, who's actually an awesome um, tournament organizer and head of uh, Legion events from Madison. He's a good guy he's a, overall. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a great guy. Um, I've only heard awesome stuff about him. I think I might have met him at Nationals, but yeah, he was, that he was whole weekend's a Yep. Um, so anyway, so, so, so Jay Boos kind of goes off on them, and Jay Boos can, can do that, but like it was, it was some of the stuff that was said was just it was just a little over the line. Anyway, so um, uh, the next episode, between then and the next episode, there's a bunch of people that like um, give feedback, positive and negative about about their podcast. Um, and then Chapin gets invited on to like talk about like a new book or some something. I don't know. Anyway, and also secretly really wants to talk about what they said about Steve and, and about all the changes. And it's a, it's a pretty interesting interaction as, as Chapin actually has some, some pretty harsh words for him. And it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, w- w- a, a, there are podcasts that is a lot of banter, and that one I thought had uh, some pretty heavy, um, pretty heavy interactions. Um, you, you really saw some, of the, um, some interesting parts of uh, Chapin's personality where you don't typically get to see it. So. Anyway, that's, yeah. a, that's a long story, cut short, and probably not very short. Discomfort to be had by all. Yeah, I uh, well, yeah, I, I I haven't heard that episode, but I definitely dig Steve Poyd. He does a great job out there, and he he's a very you know uh, whatever. He's a really good guy. Whoever wants to impede his reputation obviously hasn't met him or knows anything about him. Because if they did, they would. Moving along, uh, let's. Uh, Let's give a quick shout-out to Owen, uh, who, Greg, I saw on your Facebook, you really liked one of his articles, so we'll put that in the show notes. Do you want to say anything about that article? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give the, the quote that I put on my, my Facebook wall, because it's just, just insane. Sure. So first of all, he's given, he's given a tournament report from Atlanta. This is part one. Anyway, so the quote that I, that I, that I posted, and it says, So this is a normal sequence of plays and control mirrors. Use a strong, game-breaking card referring to Grasp of Darkness, at end of turn to force them to tap out um, because his opponent um, cryptic commanded the Grasp of Darkness. Anyway, to force them to tap out so you can untap and resolve one that is only slightly worse. Um, he's referring to Jace, the Mind Sculptor. Uh, Jace survived the next ten turns and I casually crushed him. Um, so if you, if you put it in context rather than um, me trying to give some context, it's actually just hilarious. Um, uh, is, as, is one of yeah he he likes the sarcasm sometimes and Jace is a little better than Grasp of Darkness. I don't know I don't know I think I think I think it's just slightly worse. <laughs> yeah it's uh, <laughs> it, it, uh, Owen oh, Owen Owen's great and uh, if you don't if you don't if you don't know his humor like the first like third of the article will kind of just like there'll be a few comments that just strike you as off and by the end of the by the end of the, the uh, article, you'll totally be in on the joke, and you'll you'll be enjoying it. So I, I actually I, I really liked it. So um, that's, those those are my thoughts. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll have a link to that in our show notes as well to the article. Well, I have a proposal for everyone on the podcast right now. We are coming up on the time that we have basically allotted for our shows. We're trying to cut it down a little bit, uh, responding to some feedback, and also to be respectful of um, the hosts of, of, of it and their bandwidth issues and everything else. So we're going to be wrapping up this part of the show. How about doing a part two where we can uh, get some more TSG time in since we know his, you know, we might not have him on for a while. He's, he's got his own podcast he's got to do. And uh, we can we can do like a part two or B or something like that. How's that sound to everyone? And I can just edit that later, so it won't go up right away, but we'll get it out there. People want to stick around for I'm, a little bit? I'm cool with that. Let me go throw my clothes in the dryer. I'm in. Uh, TSG? AKA you know? removing pants. <laughs> Exactly. Well, Greg, before we do that, how can people get a hold of us? Um, well, you can certainly get a, get a hold of us on mtgcast.com uh, and on Channel Fireball. That's how you can um, actually find this content. Um, um, mtgcast, uh, there's a comment section for, for, under, for the, under the four spike uh, episodes. So we highly recommend uh, leaving some feedback there. We don't get a whole lot of it there. Um, so, so starting to get some feedback there would be great. Um, a lot of people contact us uh, via either Twitter or uh, Facebook. Uh, we're, we're four spikes on both of those things. Uh, and then also, uh, if you want to give us some more detailed feedback or some more personalized feedback, uh, we're, we're really good about responding to people via email. So uh, fourspikes at gmail.com. Yeah, and actually, uh, we're going to be... I haven't talked to you about this, Greg, but I had an idea about doing some more listener feedback stuff um, in the sh- future, in future episodes. So we're not going to go into lots of detail right now, but we're going to probably be doing some more stuff with some listener feedback. So do share your comments. Comment on the MTG site and on the Channel Fireball site, and uh, we'll be... If we get some good ones, we'll be following up with you and more on that in future episodes. But uh, that's all we got for today. So we're going to wrap it up for part one of this episode. Adios. Everyone want to say bye? <laughs> one, two, three. Bye. Bye. <laughs>